Hello and welcome to the Election Observer podcast, this week with just me, Tom. Um, But I'm delighted that I am joined for this episode again by John and Harry, who have been working really, really hard behind the scenes and hopefully have lots of updates about us, about where we are, with lots and lots of exciting things ahead for the year. So we're taking a slightly different approach to our usual podcast setup. Um, So we thought we'd have the opportunity to kind of ask a little bit about what it is really like working behind the scenes with Democracy Volunteers and uh, the kind of jobs they've been doing. So, John, hello again. How are you? Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's uh, it's good to speak to you again. Obviously, it's been a little while because obviously I missed the last episode. So just curious to know, what is it that you've been up to? Well, obviously, this is our busiest time of year as we head towards uh, in England, May the 4th, but in Northern Ireland, May the 16th. 18th, isn't it, Harry? I can get these dates terribly mixed up. So 4th in England, the 18th in Northern Ireland. And essentially, we're preparing by recruiting people, by preparing uh, what we're going to ask people to look for, but also making sure that we're ready to hold our meetings with what we call interlocutors. Basically, it's a very posh word for who we talk to. So May the 4th is our primary goal. But as you know, we've got other things uh, going on as well. Um, On Wednesday this week, we held a sort of briefing session for what we're going to look for this May, because obviously May's... um, changes to the voting process in England are quite noticeable. The Elections Act 2022 brought in quite a few changes, of which some are being brought in for May. Not all of them are being brought in for May, actually, which is quite interesting in itself. But the biggest change that people are already talking about is something that you know is, is increasingly a matter of some public discussion, is the introduction of ID to vote uh, in polling stations as of uh, this election. So that's going to be one of the biggest things we look for. But it's important people also understand that we're going to look for all sorts of other things as well. So, you know, we're going to continue to look for things like family voting, which we which we regularly see across the UK, but also some of the other changes. So, for example, people going to be expected to show their ID. Um, some people, you know, will have face coverings. And so polling stations need to be set up in a proper way to make sure that that can be assessed in private for those individuals. So there's going to be lots of changes that people see. And the dynamic between the presiding officer and the, the members of the public is also going to change. So we're quite interested to see how those changes play out on May the 4th, and hopefully we'll be able to report some uh, information fairly quickly after the election. You've obviously there talked about the fact that people will expect to see changes, and actually probably from your discussions, you've had lots of discussion about maybe quite how large these changes are. But I guess for me, one of the things I've noticed is that electoral conduct uh, and electoral policy and law is actually being discussed in the public realm, which is often not necessarily the case and not something that we see as such high profile. So I wondered how that's been from your perspective of seeing so much of this coverage of the way in which elections elections are conducted here in the UK being discussed by media outlets, both here in the UK and also overseas. It can only be good that people actually discuss how elections are conducted because the People often think that elections are something that London decides, you know, Westminster decides and everyone else just gets on with it. Actually, the fact that the public are engaging and organisations you know, defending people's rights and that are also looking at this is a sign that there is some concern, but there's also interest in the fact that the way we conduct elections can be improved, but also changed. Um, and, you know, we one of the things that we find interesting is, that although there is obviously some discussion about the, the way ideas being brought in in England is the fact that when we go to other countries we see ideas as a normal part of the process because those countries have ID um, 
a standard. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how it works. But it's good, I think. It can only be good that the public are actually engaged. And the fact that the parties and the wider sort of third sector is also looking at this could only be uh, a way of improving the way we do things. Absolutely. And then Harry, obviously head of operations, I can imagine it's Operation Central at the moment, lots of activity going on with May being the biggest yet. Um, what kind of thing is it that you've been up to? Hi Tom, great to, great to speak to you again. Um, so essentially, all of the changes that John has mentioned there to how elections will be functioning this May, especially looking at the Elections Act uh, 2022, um, changes a lot of the procedure, particularly for, for in-person voting in polling stations, which is, of course, one of the areas where we collect data when we're trying to make our assessments of election integrity across the election cycle. Obviously, from a from a sort of head of operations point of view, this, as John mentioned, is a very busy time of year because looking forwards to May, uh, it's the period where we're recruiting and training new observers. And it's been really brilliant over the last few weeks to be speaking to some of our potential new observers um, who come from all across uh, England, where the where the elections are this year, but also in Northern Ireland. Um, and it's been great to talk to them about the process and also give them a little bit more information about what we do. Of course, there is a different type of training that will be needed for this May's elections. Even observers who have been with us for many, many years will not have seen an election run uh, in this way in the UK. And so it's important that our observers know all about how processes are meant to be carried out around things like voter ID, uh, but also some of the different changes to how returning officers can provide uh, accessibility aids to people and all of these different discussions, um, as well as things like family voting and security of ballot boxes, which we which we always assess uh, at elections across the UK. Obviously, John's mentioned there that it's good that this is in the public debate and that more people are learning about the voter ID requirements. Uh, but it also comes as a challenge to us with uh, training observers uh, because there is so much public debate and there are lots and lots of very strongly held beliefs on both sides of the debate around how necessary voter ID is in the UK and also the way in which it's been enacted. Of course, as domestic election observers, we're concerned with whether the processes uh, inside polling stations are following the legislation as it is, and also the international standards um, of which voter ID is one. And so it's really important for us to make sure that our observers are aware of how this process is meant to happen, and also how to judge whether it's operating um, in, in the correct way, and whether it's uh, abiding by the actual legislation that brought it into force. So a really busy time, very interesting to talk to all our new observers, and lots of lots of training and recruitment going on at the moment, Tom. Well, I can tell that because my inbox has been flooded with lots of bits and pieces and lots of updates on this, that and everything, really. So obviously you talked about the event on Wednesday that you were hosting. So what was the event that you, then that you were trying to have a chat with people about? So the event that we held on Wednesday was really to to give people who follow the work that we do, not just our observers, but also those who take an interest in our work from uh, local government, uh, national governments who, who want to see what kinds of things we're assessing at these elections. Um, and we've mentioned a few of the different changes from the Elections Act, but also some of the data sets that we'll be continuing to collect. Obviously, quite uh, quite difficult elections in a way this year to recruit and train people for because most of the 230 councils who will be holding elections are relatively rural. Um, so, for example, there are no elections across London or Birmingham or Bristol. Um, 
just as an example of that. And so we're really talking through the different ways that we're going to assess things like the introduction of voter ID, how we're assessing in-depth family voting and intimidation and coercion, which, as you know, Tom, is something that we've been uh, flagging for quite a long time. And hopefully, as, as uh, Lord Hayward's bill goes through, uh, fingers crossed, uh, committee stage in the House of Commons will be something that we'll be assessing as well. But we're also... Uh, talking about some of our work outside of polling day, it's really important for election observations that they focus on uh, the whole electoral cycle, all the way from candidate and voter registration, all the way through to post-election disputes. And so there's a lot of work that goes on in the background assessing different things. So this sometimes even is, is secondary data that's collected by the Electoral Commission, for example, on things like postal vote rejection rates and a whole host of different issues. Um, so we were really just talking through all of our, our different thoughts for this May and the way that our observers will be out and, and acting in their role on the day. Well, that's funny you should say that, though, because I'm curious, because obviously we obviously chat to both of you guys quite a lot on the podcast here. But I know and I'm sure you'll you'll probably be able to shed some more light here as well. It's obviously not just you guys that are heading up the operation. There's lots of work that's being done by lots of people all around the country in terms of bits and pieces and collecting up some of this stuff. So I just wondered, what are the, what are the other kind of jobs that people are doing behind the scenes that we perhaps don't necessarily talk about? Is there are there any reports that are currently on the go as well? Thanks. Well, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. And uh, we have a number of activities ongoing. I mean, at present, our final report on the elections in the United States are coming to fruition. It's taken a bit of a time because it's fair to say it's one of the biggest reports we've ever issued uh, <clears throat> because a lot of work was done uh, preparing for it. Uh, we're also at the moment getting ready to go to the Netherlands for elections out there in mid-March, where I understand that one of our contributors to this program might be joining us. I hope you'll be able to sort of, you know, do some reporting from there. Um, but also, we're hopefully sending a team out to Finland as well. But, you know, it's fair to say that the vast majority of our uh, work at the moment is preparing for this. But we're also looking at things we're trying to talk to some organisations on a wider basis to try and evaluate some of the things that they think might affect this May's election. So actually talking to a number of groups of like the Runnymede Trust and other trusts involved in racial awareness uh, we've been talking to, to try and assess some of those problems that they have uh, perceived or tried to assess and they'll, and they'll be trying to identify in May. Because obviously... And you're right, we do have a lot of people doing lots of things. Um, and actually, most people are just making sure they've got the day off work on May the 4th and making sure that, you know, that the car's gone in for a service to make sure all those roads are going to drive around rural Devon and all those sorts of places are ready. Um, but also just getting people ready, because although we, we talk about the fact that I spoke to the electoral association of electoral administrators in the autumn and they were saying, obviously, we can't just expect everyone to just do the same as they did last year the training's got to change and their training's got to change and so's ours because we've actually got to go through essentially we filmed recently an entirely sort of mock polling station to show people how these changes are going to look when it comes to may because actually polling stations are going to look a bit different you know there's going to be new signage up there might even be a third person there to sort of welcome people as they come into a polling station and check if they've got their id with them there might be you know new cubicles that people go into to have their id checked in private all sorts of things one of the things I think is fascinating is that people said that someone's going to buy 60,000 mirrors for this May's elections so that people can rearrange themselves after having uh, taken off their uh, face covering. So all sorts of other things that 
you know we're going to have to assess are things that are having to affect what we do on a daily basis so that's affecting our training um, and also you know we're trying to make sure that we recruit in the right areas because as as harry said there are no elections in london this year so actually making sure we're getting to the sort of slightly more remote places is is a key part of this may so making sure we've got drivers and things like that that's really important and they might seem quite prosaic but it's actually one of the really important things that we make sure we have quite a diversity of people but also a diversity of places we go as well absolutely and that's something which john just as you flagged there to any of our observers this may who are listening to the podcast if you haven't already please make sure that you have the day off um it's obviously a little bit different this year because we have two polling days depending i was trying on to drop weather. a very unsubtle hint Harry. that's all i was doing i was trying to There's... drop a really unsubtle hint Thank you. Very much appreciated. Um, but we've been doing lots of work with with people behind the scenes. So John's mentioned there are a few of the different organisations that we've been uh, in conversation with, especially around some uh, of the difficulties potentially of voter ID and especially understanding that voter experience from the from the viewpoint of others um, so that we have a, a range of knowledge before we go in and we start designing things like our survey questions to make sure that you know we get one day every year to collect this data to make sure that we're asking the right questions and we're really trying to sort of probe at what the issues are in polling stations there are lots of people who are helping us with work behind the scenes um, all the way from our advisory panel to uh, some of our some of our observers such as Ben who helped us at previous elections he's got one of the the jobs of doing all the mapping of polling stations across the UK um, obviously at this election there aren't the 60,000 that we have at a general election but massive jobs like that that people really help us out with a lot to make sure that our observers can use the time that they have on the day as well as they can uh, we don't want people sort of wasting time looking around for polling stations in their local area to make sure that people are are able to conduct their their work as well as they can and also we we have uh, interaction with uh, on a procedural level people like the electoral commission around accreditation and those kinds of things so lots of discussions going on uh, to make sure that the observation in may is as good as it can be absolutely that's it and uh, i can tell after 12 episodes clearly your subtle plugs are getting more and more unsubtle as we go through but uh... like an air raid mine, mine are very unsubtle my my plugs yeah i'm trying to get but people need to be ready and it's fair to say that the more they can do to help harry get ready the better because uh harry's you know working all hours of god sense to make sure that we are ready for may the 4th um and if it wasn't for him we really wouldn't be anywhere near ready come the election so Please try and help him as much as possible. Fill in those forms when he sends them. Respond to his emails when he sends them. But also make sure that if we have any meetings, do come along because you'll learn more about the election uh, in readiness for when you have to go on the polling stations. Absolutely. And I guess that's the other thing as well, is that we've obviously talked about people that are already involved, that are already picking this up. But obviously, there are also some people that have come across us randomly as well. So I guess the question is, if people have observed in the past and perhaps not inquired yet so far this time round, or perhaps they're coming to this for the first time now, can they still apply? So yes, Tom, absolutely. People can still apply. Um, one of the, the main core tenets of, of domestic election observation is that we want to try and get as many people out and about across the country as we can, as long as they're properly trained and they are suitable to, to fulfil the role, because that really is what helps contribute to our data sets and also means that we can get as an accurate picture of the health of the electoral process across the whole of the country. Um, we are still recruiting up until around the 10th of March. Um, so if anybody is listening and is interested in becoming an election observer at these elections, 
We offer full training, uh, follow-up training seminars, pre-deployment briefings, and lots of other things to help you make sure that you're ready for the role on the day. It is important to bear in mind that you can't be an active member of a political party. We're a completely non-partisan organisation, um, and that's the reason why the data that we collect uh, is very useful. Um, but if you are interested in getting involved, please feel free to, to send an email to harry.bush at democracyvolunteers.org. And I'll spell that out because I have a bit of a, a difficult surname. So that's H-A-R-R-Y dot B-U-S-Z at democracyvolunteers.org. And we then go through a process where we'll have an introductory chat with you for about 20 to 30 minutes about your interests, letting you know more about the organization and what the role actually uh, involves before moving on to an online training course, training seminar, accreditation, pre-deployment briefings and some of the other events we have before the day itself. I mean, one thing there as well is it sounds like actually you give people quite a lot of time before they get into it, because I guess that's the thing is that I remember when I first got involved and I was completely new to, to observation, I found it quite a daunting experience. But it, by the sounds of things, there's a lot more time and effort now. And obviously you've had a lot more experience of working around this now that you're able to give people that earlier support, I guess, to give them that confidence of going out there and being a confident and, and very competent observer on the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of people sort of think as a, an election staff, if any, any are listening to this, will will be able to sympathise with this. A lot of people think that the job is just one day a year when there's a big election on the day. There is a lot, a lot of planning to getting hundreds of people out onto the streets in, in their observer pairs and that they're fully trained and that they know exactly what to look for and how to act inside a polling station. And we really want to try and make sure that all of our observers feel uh, comfortable with the role that they have and they know what their rights are as an observer and how they're able to observe, record and then report back the data that they have. And being able to, to start the process a little bit earlier means that we can make sure that people have things like their accreditation badge, uh, have things like the knowledge that they need to go out on the day and that they feel ready for, for May the 4th and May the 18th. And then I've got to go back to it, partially because I have a slight vested interest in this one. Obviously, you've talked about March as being the deadline there, but obviously slightly something that John alluded to earlier as well is the fact that March is going to be busy for not only just thinking about preparations for May in the UK, um, but also the preparations there for the Netherlands, where I can say, I don't think it's a massive coup, but I'll be there anyway. I'll be over there supporting the team and, and hopefully getting some on the ground uh, perspectives of what it's like to go and observe overseas. But um, yeah, John, what's the what's what's it looking like in terms of the observation over in the Netherlands? Well, we had our preliminary meeting with the Dutch Minister of the Interior and Kingdom Affairs last week, and, and they, as always, are very welcoming of election observation. One of the things that's very interesting about countries like the Netherlands is they really welcome uh, people observing the process, making recommendations, and, and they follow through on them as well. What's actually very interesting about them is that on several occasions they've, they've sent us reports saying, this is what your work's doing and how it's impacting the process. But one of the things that's, I think, really good about this election, this is a, these are provincial elections, but also waterboard elections. Now, the, there's no joke there. Obviously, the Netherlands is, is quite a damp place. So the waterboard election is actually very important. They're very engaged with this as, as part of their democratic process. But what we're going to be looking for is probably some of the challenges we've seen in the Netherlands before, which is... They have quite a sort of liberal approach uh, to proxy voting, where people can go and vote on behalf of a family member. During COVID, this went up to three proxies, and all you need to do uh, in the Netherlands is sign the back of your polling card. Someone else takes it with you and allowed to vote for you. 
Um, and Harry's much more of the expert on the on the on the counting process than me. But this is one of the things that I think's uh, one of the weaknesses of the Dutch system. But at this election, we should see only one being allowed proxy vote per person. So actually, they've gone down from three during COVID to two normally, now down to one. And it's one of the things that we thought was a genuine way of improving their electoral process. And one of the great things is that because they're so open to observation, uh, they welcome democracy volunteers going there and they're very receptive. So hopefully, you know, we'll see some interesting activity, but also, you know, they'll they'll allow us to give positive feedback and hopefully they'll do something about what we recommend. Harry, you, you're much more of a knowledge on the counting process than I am. Well, I, I think just just to start off, the, the Dutch elections are absolutely fascinating. And the waterboard elections, I remember, were my first ever election observation that I did back in 2019. And I always remember telling my friends what I was going to go and do. And they sort of came up to me going, oh, I didn't know that we elected Seven Trent, which is my sort of local water provider here. Um, but obviously, it's something which is very important uh, in the Netherlands. Um, and they're very interesting elections to observe, especially because they're not national elections. And so they can sort of act as a bit of an ungoverned space with some organisations who would normally observe or send neat assessment missions, not necessarily doing that. So they're very interesting for us to go and watch. And John mentioned proxy voting and the response that has come in the last couple of years. Um, they're things that we recommended in our reports. Uh, we don't always like to take full credit for those things because we know that there are many other factors that go into making those decisions. Um, but also around the counting process, there were a number of trials in previous years about centralised counting uh, as opposed to polling station counting in the Netherlands. And that's something that we've assessed when we have been there in the past. Um, and we made some recommendations last time based on the adjudication of doubtful ballot papers inside polling station counts and some of the differences in the process compared to central counts. So that's something that we're very interested to, to go and see uh, in action. But it always is brilliant to go to a country where the, the ministry and the elections officials are so open to allowing election observers to come in and to give them the feedback that they might not be able to, to assess on their own uh, due to a lack of staffing and not being around all of these different parts of the country on the day. Um, it's always something which yeah, I think sometimes people think we're saying in a bad way about uh, election management bodies or ministries, but of course they don't have the numbers of people to actually go out into hundreds and hundreds, and in the UK's case, thousands of polling stations and make these assessments. So it's going to be a very interesting election. I know the team's all, all very much looking forward to it. I am already prepared with my big briefing on Dutch elections. So as you're coming to the Netherlands, Tom, you will be in for an absolutely thrilling three-hour meeting about the Dutch election process. Uh, but yeah, very much looking forward to the Netherlands and also to, to Finland and then looking forwards into the autumn and the winter, potentially going to uh, Gibraltar as well. So lots of very interesting things coming up for Democracy Volunteers. Well, that's it. And I must admit, as a bit of a transport enthusiast, I can't wait to get back on the train network. I had a great time. I was traveling all around every kind of corner of uh, of the Netherlands, you could imagine, last time for the same elections in 2019. But um, I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about that when we were given some updates during the time. But um, once again, all it remains for me to do is say thank you to both you uh, and you, John, as well, for your time again today. And uh, I guess what I might do, actually, Harry, or I might give you the final word if you want to go over some of those key people and key contacts that have anyone does want to get in touch where do they need to go and when by 
Okay, brilliant. So if anybody is interested in becoming a short-term election observer in the UK for these elections, a few things to bear in mind. Um, the elections are taking place on May the 4th in England, but not all of England. So uh, bear that in mind, uh, although we will be able to get you to a, a council uh, area that has elections close to you on the day. But if you're in Northern Ireland, this will be on the 18th of May. You'll need to be uh, apolitical, so you can't be an active member of a UK political party. And if you are interested, we do have introductory session slots where we will talk to you for about 20 to 30 minutes before offering you and giving you the full training uh, and pre-deployment briefing. So if anybody is interested, send me an email at harry.bush at democracyvolunteers.org. That's Bush with an SZ at the end. Or what's probably a little bit easier, there's info at democracyvolunteers.org which is a lot easier to spell um so yes we are really really keen to have more people come and join us and help us collect this data set we think it's increasingly important that developed democracies have a strong basis for citizen domestic election observation um, which is non-partisan to really provide trusted and clear data to legislators but also the public around the uh, conduct of elections in the UK to make sure that we can contribute to the debate with data-based analysis to actually let people know how things are being operated on the ground and how things like voter ID are being uh, put in in polling stations. Real. Well, thank you both. And uh, uh, yeah, I look forward to us next speaking when we're all together in the Netherlands.